Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two guys who are ready to feed each other to the Tigers. What's up, Chuck and Gene? <laughs> uh, allegedly feed each other to the Tigers. If you look at my home, Grinder is not capable of grinding Gene. Um, but this take his jeans off first. <laughs> well, tigers can eat bone, and when you look through the tiger excrement, you don't see any bone. Um, this is the Tiger King himself, uh, Chuck Siders. You can find me at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. I don't know why I just had this visual from uh, Fargo of me being like spewed out upon like some field in North Dakota, uh, you know, all remnants of me through a wood chipper. Um, man, that is a real downer of a thought. Uh, <laughs> this, <laughs> this is Gene Zilek. I am not uh, ground up into little bits, uh, but I was really excited to find ground beef this week. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. Yeah, I watched. I haven't watched any of this Tiger King stuff. Is it is it worth a watch? I don't particularly care for reality TV. It is batshit insane, like bordering on sad. But you have to watch it. And I is it reality TV or is it a documentary? It's documentary. Okay, and it's like a true crime documentary. But the the main star of it, Joe Exotic, um, you the, might know. The only thing I know about Joe Exotic is I believe he ran for president last election. That's the only thing. Is that true? He did. Yeah. Okay. Well, he was the third party candidate, kind of like a joke candidate. Okay. All right. Yeah, but yeah. He was on John Oliver like they featured him. And that's maybe how that's where I saw him from. Maybe that was it. Yeah, my cousin was sharing the show, and it's like Tiger King. I saw on Netflix. I didn't look into it, and it was like, "Oh, Tiger King! Yeah, check it out." I'm like, "Is that Joe is exotic?" And they're like, "You know Joe Exotic outside of Tiger King," and then I think it is death, mystery, and murder, or something is like the subtitle. Okay. And then I was really intrigued because I, like you, thought it was going to be you know, just, you know, an exploitive reality show. Instead, if it's it's an exploitative documentary. Got but it. Uh, definitely check out the first two episodes and you'll you'll be hooked. It's well, crazy. I'll tell you what, the the Bengals suck. The Detroit Tigers suck. So I, I guess if you're looking for good Tiger material, this is probably your best bet. There is that one golfer. Um, What's his name? Oh, yeah. Tiger Woods. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they're not playing either, so. Yeah. And since no one's playing, let's just go right into our rewatch uh, for the week, which was the 2001 Game 7 Eastern Conference Semifinals, Toronto Raptors and Vince Carter at Philadelphia 76ers and Allen Iverson. Yes, indeed. And did we all watch the feed that Dave shared was I it the one that was in some sort of like crazy Russian? That's well, it was not... Greek. Oh, it was, it was Greek. The... Okay. Yes, it was most clearly Greek. And no, yes, I, that's I, what... I did not watch that feed. I watched a different feed. Well, in my defense, I basically fast forwarded through anything that was not game. But th that feed was weird because 
I don't I don't understand what it wasn't you you saw a lot of video after they went to commercial and a lot of video before they went to commercial and there was some you could catch some of the banter between the commentators mm-hmm. on both ends talking about like what they plan on talking about when they come back or uh just like recapping what they just saw which was kind of interesting oh it was like the raw audio that you would get from NBC that you didn't get on the broadcast yeah yeah, and that actually comes up a lot with like international feeds. Um, the Flyers, I think it was two seasons ago when they really sucked. Like Jim Jackson and Keith Jones were caught in an open mic. Like someone was watching it in, I don't know, I think Czech Republic or something. And they're like, man, they really suck right now. Yeah, they just got nothing going. They like, um, and then also it was the big reveal of who won the draft lottery uh, in the NHL last year as well. Oh, they, um, it was again, this, this open mic, this open screen on an international feed and up popped the top three. Like, yeah, I guess they were testing something, but it, it popped up. Um, so the draft lottery was ruined <laughs> because of it. But yeah, that, didn't get that like um, early two thousands nostalgia for the commercials because they were all in Greek. But uh, other than that, it was a good watch. Yeah. So, but I mean, before we you know get into the game, any like initial first thoughts? I, I mean, the the biggest thing that stands out for me was this was the closest I had ever followed the Sixers, and that was thanks to you, Dave, because you were more or less telling me. This is the same way I signed up for Facebook, which is Dave's... I, I made you an account. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, here's a username and password. <laughs> and you more or less did that for the uh, 01 Sixers run. It's like, we're watching the Sixers. Like, we, we just are. Like, this was an edict. It's like, I'm really into the Sixers. You guys now are too. And um, it was a hell of a run to be there for. You know, I think it started just before the playoffs where you were really sixered up and making certain everyone else was watching. So I remember this game very well. I remember the run very well. I got a few details wrong. Like I, it, and I might be jumping ahead. So I'll, I'll leave yeah, that no, back. No. I mean, everyone but, knows how this game ends. So yeah. yeah, when you say you got some details wrong, I had some wrong in my head too. Um, like in my mind, Vince Carter had a much clearer shot yes. at the end of the game that he missed. Yeah, and that that was true for me is also um he was in like the home whites or something. Like I remember them him in the Raptors white with the the stripes oh, really? or something. So it made me wonder, I'm like, did game six end in a very similar fashion? And I kind of feel like it did. I I, I can't recall, but it's I was thinking of a game in Toronto, but they're still shooting on the same side of the court and all. So, I mean, obviously, I just misremembered it because it's been 19 years. Well, here, here, <laughs> but... here, here were my two takeaways. The thing that was interesting for me is the feed that I ended up finding, uh, mostly out of laziness, was something that must have been broadcast in Toronto <laughs> within the last 15 years. And it was um, it was called like Raptors Greatest Series or something like this. Um, obviously not anything like way before this current iteration of, of the Raptors being good. 
And it, to start it off, they had this woman who in this like post 90s pre modern era hairdo with like a little bit of lift, but still yeah. kind of I, I don't know how else to describe it other than like an interim bad haircut. Um, she was describing one thing that I had completely forgotten about this game was there was a ton of controversy because Vince Carter went to his undergraduate graduation. Uh, I guess he had finished his degree uh, while he had been in the NBA and he had gone to his graduation and walked at his graduation ceremony or ceremony earlier in the day before the, the game in Philadelphia. And apparently, and I don't remember this distinctly, and maybe because we were probably, uh, we were on the other side of it, uh, there was a lot of controversy that he was going to be really, really uh, affected and that he was going to be real off, um, that his endurance was going to be totally shot to hell from having to travel from North Carolina to Philadelphia, you know, before the game started. Um, so I had totally forgotten that that was even a thing. And the other thing that I, I had totally forgotten was um, we were already deeply injured um, getting into the, this is the, you know, we still have to go through the box before we get to the finals. And we're already dealing in that this series with major, major injury uh, issues. Aaron McKee started the game. Uh, he was the sixth man of the year, had come off the bench all year. And um, we also had, uh, I think it was Jermaine Jones. Uh, yeah, who... the, I forgot Jermaine Jones was even a part of this team. Like when I think <laughs> of the 2001 Sixers, I could name almost every player. I would have I would have named Todd McCullough before I was able to pull Jermaine Jones out of the hat. Yeah, and I mean, he was a second-year player, and this game must be the high watermark for that guy, right? I mean, you can't <laughs> imagine that there was any other event in his career that topped play the play he he had in this game. I I could like I I don't even remember anything about him from the next series or from the finals. So I imagine that this must be this was where he made his stand, and this is what he tells his kids about. And I purposely didn't look anything up about him. Um, if anybody wants to spoil like what happened to Jermaine Jones in the last <laughs> 19 years, you can, but I purposely just wanted to have this now be my memory of him. Like I'm now cemented that that was that, you know, my book on him is now closed. Well, the other thing I didn't, I, I didn't put together the thing that I, I knew, I didn't know that we knew at the time that Iverson was the MVP Dikembe Mutombo was the defensive player of the year, and McKee was the sixth man of the year. Like, I think I think that that all happened right at the end of the regular season, and I don't know if they still do that now, but they all the NBA always considered all of those regular season awards. I think they still do, but they do push the announcements to after the finals now, or or during the finals. Um, but yeah, we this that happened at the end of the at the end of the regular season. Um, and yeah, Iverson was, you know, you mentioned the injuries, um, but yeah, Iverson had the, was it a bruised hip? The one that happens during the game or coming into the game? Well, I thought he was injured going into that. I basically remember everything of that playoff run was Iverson was hurt the whole time. Yeah. Well, and even worse, uh, Eric Snow, I think, um, in the next series literally breaks, breaks his leg and plays, I, I think in game six and game seven, against the the bucks with a cast um 
So, and Eric, I mean, not that Eric Snow was the swiftest player on the court anyway, but there's a, <laughs> there's a play, I think it's in the third quarter of, of this game against Toronto. And I remember this distinctly because like I was saying last week, when I watched this game initially, it was in a bar, so I didn't really hear the commentary, but I remember distinctly there was a play in the third quarter where, where Iverson drives the lane and he goes up and to, to try and lay it up from about halfway between the foul line and the baseline and he takes a shot like right in the rib cage and uh ends up going square on his tailbone down yep. and and there's a sound and i'm not sure if it's iverson or who it is but somebody lets out this scream that is like piercing um that it's the kind of thing that like it's amazing that there was a microphone that was able to pick that up or or if it was that loud and and you can see as the play goes on iverson is trying to get himself out of the way and and get himself off the floor and he literally cannot get his body in a position where he can he can leverage himself up off the floor until finally when the play is over somebody basically picks him up and puts him on his legs um to, and that's how he kind of has to get through the rest of the the game they do announce at some point, you know, I guess he goes off to the bench and I guess gets looked at briefly. I don't remember him being off the floor much of that game. But he played he played 48 minutes yeah, in that game, which is insane. something else that, like, you don't see that really anymore. You know, yeah. and especially not a guy his size. And he had runs there where he was missing eight or nine shots in a row. Um, and, you know, and you would see, you know, that's the kind of thing in today's NBA where if a guy misses four or five shots in a row, then they call a timeout. I mean, dude, dude, Matumbo played 46 minutes. That's nuts. I think yeah. like Todd McCullough came in for a free throw. Right. <laughs> you know, just to line up for a free throw and we never saw him again. I mean, Geiger was hurt. I don't so remember Geiger playing your big much, man options. I, I don't remember Geiger playing much of that year. Um, yeah, I mean, your your other big man was the was the crypt keeper, really. Uh, that was the only other guy <laughs> in the in the game. Um But the other thing that I that I thought jumped out at me was um, the commentators were really harping on the fact that they they just basically thought this game was going to come down to uh, Carter and Iverson just driving the lane and whichever one was going to hit more uh, more baskets and close was going to win. And what it really turned into was a game of which of those two players was able to distribute better, which of those two players were able to get the other players involved. And Iverson, I thought, had maybe the most outstanding game as a, as a as a distributor that I can remember, you know, you don't usually think of Iverson as being the guy uh, dishing, but he had some 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 moves coming across the the baseline or, or or being underneath the basket with these underhanded little passes to set up uh, dunks. You know, it almost made it look like these guys for the 0-1 Sixers were a, a lot bigger stars than we know they were. This was a team of Matumbo. And Iverson and a bunch of guys that put on hard hats and came to work every day. Um, your third best player on that team is Aaron McKee. Like, absolutely, without a doubt, that's the third best player on that team. And they go to the finals. Um, it's insane to me. Yeah, Iverson had 16 assists in that game. And if you if you count, you know, uh, turning garbage into gold from his uh, from his missed attempts. Uh, it, it would have been it would have been a lot more. Yeah, I mean, like you would think, you know, when if you've never seen this game before, we're we're picking a game that Iverson is like a dominant performance in, and that and that's why they win. And it's really, it really wasn't the case. Uh, he he was kind of cold shooting, 
and so was Vince Carter. So it was a bit of a letdown in that respect. They didn't get to see the two two stars really square off in a game seven. Um, but I mean, like, not not to really like bury the lead, but uh, I watched the game with my son, uh, who's ten, and he was like, "Oh my god, it's it's just like last season." He's like game seven against the Buck uh, against the Raptors, and then the winner gets to go play the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. He's like, it's just he's like, don't tell me we lose, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to tell you we lose, but there's I I wouldn't be watching the game if we lost. In all honesty, but you know, again, they got the final shot, and it you know it, it hit iron. It didn't it didn't quadruple bounce or anything like that, but you pretty much tell pretty early on that that shot wasn't going in. Yeah, the, the parallels were, you know, outstanding. It really was a, a mirror image of um, the game, the quadruple doink or whatever we're calling it. Um, and I doubt in 19 years we're going to go back and uh, revisit that one. So, yeah, no, I mean, I've already forgot that game existed. But it was riveting, even knowing like it comes down to the last two seconds of the game you know it was still a really captivating watch like i got into it um yeah and you know we we mentioned uh dikembe mutombo and loved him big fan of him at the time but his presence out there it was you know i mean larger than life because he is but he just swatting things out of the air like single-handedly closing down lanes just due to his size um i forgot about matumbo's presence on that team i really like i knew he was important but like seeing it with my own two eyes and seeing such a strong defensive contributor in, in basketball um i really means like i undervalued him in my memory Speaking of memories, talk about all the injuries. Do you remember the, it was probably Daily News, not the Inquirer, but the mock-up or the front page where it had the Sixers as the walking wounded in the like colonial uh, setting from the Revolutionary War no. with the like snare drum and all? Uh, that I you forgot about it. For us? Yeah, I'm going to pull it up now, I hope. Yeah. Um, but I forgot about it until Gene was going on just about how injured we were. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's right. That's right. So let me pull it up here uh, for you guys to to prompt your memory. I'll just give some other thoughts, too. Um, when when we were watching the game, you know, like the Sixers went out to a pretty a pretty big lead in the first half that that kind of got frittered away in the in the second half. And Adele Curry was a big part of that comeback for the Raptors and you know as soon as my son heard Del Curry's name he was like is that wait is he and uh-huh. I'm like yes that's Steph Curry's dad <laughs> so that was kind of neat too that he put those put those connected those dots the uh the other thing that I I took note of is um Lenny Wilkins, man, I I totally <laughs> forgot honestly that he was the coach of the Raptors. Then I so associate him with Hawks. with the Atlanta Hawks franchise and just with like okay to mediocre basketball. Like I do not really think of him. Like I I in my mind, I him not standing next to like Dominique. Like it just it seemed 
so weird to see him uh, on the sideline. And and I also kind of forgot how much uh, just the shots of Pat Croce just being over the top hyped, um, how much that guy was a big part of Joe. And what was his actual title? I don't think he was the general manager. He was, was he just basically the Sixers hype man? Like, I know he had some role in the organization, but like, he, I don't he was think like he had president, wasn't he? But he didn't have like any say over personnel. He certainly wasn't the coach of the team. Was it? Was it really that he was just kind of like the the organization? Because uh, I, I mean, I don't know who the president of the Sixers is right now, and I don't know who the president of the Sixers was before that. Um, you know, does that make him the one of the greatest um, front office? personnel kind of personalities in, in, in Philadelphia sports histories. I mean, it's not a long list, but you know, it's probably, uh, is he the only one outside of a, of a, of a Philly or a, of a, uh, so I'm just went on his Wikipedia page, which is the first thing, you know, he, he became president of the uh, Sixers team in 1996 as part of a group led by flyers, founder, Ed Snyder and Comcast that bought the team. Yeah. And I always associate with, um, um, him with Ed Snyder because he sort of became that guy, he became the figurehead of the Sixers so much so that, you know, you had like a, an outspoken personality, somebody that really had a vision for the team up, you know, up to including changing their colors to, to black because it was his favorite color. That was another <laughs> one too. Like it, it just, it didn't strike me odd until I kind of thought about it, I'm like, why the hell were the Sixers black, white, and gold for so damn long? Yeah, and like that but, odd shade of blue, too. Yeah. Um, but we were but still no. in like that like 90s cool colors phase. Yeah. And um, so the – but no, I, I loved Pat Croce. And, um, well, you need a face, right? Like you yeah. need someone to be – like whether it's like David Montgomery or – Oh yeah, that's cool. That's cool. The, the spirit yeah. of seventy sixers. Yeah, yeah. And it's from the Daily News, May thirtieth, two thousand one. I thought it was a better Photoshop than it really is. I <laughs> yeah, we'll have to throw but that still, on the Facebook and the Instagram. Yeah, it jumps out to me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like you need a face. Like someone needs to be the person, uh, like the face of ownership, to go face the media and stuff. And and you really couldn't pick someone better than Pat Croce to do that. Yeah. Um, and just real quick on the Sixers logo and design from that like late 90s era, I have a question. So when you when you watch the game, the court itself mm-hmm. along the sidelines had this like basketball like swoosh. Yeah. Right. That interrupted the sideline. Right. I'm wondering if at any point during the season there there became an issue like an inbounds out of bounds issue with that logo sort of crossing over the, the boundary line, but leaving no distinct line right? No, I don't, out of bounds. I don't remember that ever coming up, but I remember even at the time um, wondering how that was determined. And um, a friend of mine who I worked with, who was a season ticket holder, and I don't know if this is true, but I was talking about it at work one day at the time, and they said that there is there is a line that's there, but it's um, it's just like uh, instead of the block white, 
that it was like two thin black lines and that it's indiscernible on television. Okay, I believe that. Yeah, I believe that as well. So that they were a season ticket holder at the time. I guess they had, you know, got like one of those behind the scenes tours. And that's how he explained it to me that, you know, if you're down there, okay. you can see it. And I mean, I, I mean, I watched the, the feed that I watched and even trying to find highlights of the game like that. That's the quality that that game is right now. There's no high def version of it. There's no there wasn't a, a version that was put on film by NBA films or something uh, where you're going to see like these slow-mo highlight packages of the game like it seems like the footage that we were able to watch is the footage um it's certainly it looked was, terrible yeah it certainly was <laughs> was jarring compared to watching uh the flyers game that we watched last week which was essentially an hd game like it looked really really good um yeah. this this looked like something that was you know a fourth generation vhs tape that it just literally you know at some point you almost expect to see like ghosts of other things that you taped over like the bigger the tv you watched it on the worse it was so like you're actually better off watching it on like a small computer screen or something Mm. because i watched it in my living room uh in my living room just because that's that's where i was um but uh, i can see how that probably would have worked out better yeah i watched it on like a 52 inch and i felt like i needed like i had a headache after i was done watching (laughs) i started the game on my phone and was surprised at the quality of the footage. And then I cast it to my TV and was like, oh, no, the phone is the way to watch this one. Yeah, smaller <laughs> smaller screen is better for some of yeah. these for some of these classic games. When I, I watched the uh, the 93 uh, National League Championship Series game one on my TV. And that and that one, too, was was that was real. I mean, that was seven years, eight years before this. And that was yeah. also really tough. So. We got to get you. We got to figure out the best way to watch these classic games because it's kind of all we're stuck with. So, what other classic stuff have you guys taken in this week? Anything else that you you watched that you enjoyed, unenjoyed, whether it's related to Philadelphia sports or not? Because I, I, you know, I had a couple of things that I watched and they were sort of like all over the map as far as far as, um, as, far as sports are concerned. I watched uh, some reruns of Wide World of Sports. I watched some some <laughs> diving competitions. Uh, I watched like from Acapulco or whatever off of the yeah the rock. yeah the real the yeah the the ones that were there was I watched some of that and I also watched some of the platform diving that was like the outdoor platform diving I think it was from like 1988 where they had kind of like the uh, you know what you usually see for Olympic platform diving but it's almost always indoors now uh, but this was some sort of a it might have been quite qualifiers for the 88 Seoul Games. Uh, and it was all outdoors and they had like what I assume now they would use drone shots, but they had to have some like chuckle fuck, like climb up there <laughs> and like take the video like with these people. You know what I mean? I'm like a cherry picker, either on a cherry picker or they were in other places or they even had some of the some footage of like, you know, looking down the, the platform. Um, so there's somebody like standing with an old school like video take camera that must be like up on that ladder, like right shooting you know down the down the uh down the platform it was it was actually kind of cool to kind of like game out like oh and they've managed to avoid not showing where the cameraman is it's like i guess when you when you shoot a movie you know making sure you're not in any of the mirrors um so that was uh, kind of an interesting experience i watched uh a, an all-time favorite I, I know that dave you and i have watched many of these some strongman competitions oh um, jesus some real classic uh magnus 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 magnuson man that guy 
Whew. Uh, the, the, I still think my favorite event will always be like the lifting the various size stones. You know, you start with the small stone and get up to the increasingly larger size stone that you've got to get like on the pedestal right in the right position so it doesn't roll off. Yeah, of course. That's the best. Um, so, yeah, that's those are the kind of things I was watching. I found um, a couple of classic YouTube channels that have some really, really great old um, football stuff. Um, which is kind of like, I don't know if we want to uh, open up the idea of what we're going to do next week. My, my thought is, and I did do a little research since I first suggested this, that we actually watch a USFL game. Because um, I got to be honest, when the USFL was a thing, I guess, what was that, 84, 85, 86, 85, 86, 87, right in that range. Yeah. Um, probably not as late as 87. Um I, I don't have any recollection of my dad watching the USFL. I don't have any recollection of me watching the USFL. I don't think I knew the USFL was a thing until I was probably in high school. And um, people were talking about how our favorite Eagles got to the Eagles and that Reggie White had played in the USFL. So I actually had to look up today. I had totally forgotten. He didn't play for the Philadelphia Stars. It wasn't that sort of thing where he was just came from the stars and went on to play for the, the Eagles. He played for the Memphis Showboats. So um, I thought it might be fun to go and watch either a Memphis Showboats game. Because in my opinion of the Eagles of the era, uh, that he was the best player. He was the, probably the best player in the USFL period. But um, he was probably the best Eagle or best you know uh, player that ended up playing for the Eagles uh, that was in the USFL, so it might be fun to, to watch. They were actually a pretty good squad, too. Watch a, watch a Memphis Showboats game, or we could go and find a Philadelphia or Baltimore Stars game. Uh, and that was the first team to win a championship in, in football since the 60s for, for Philadelphia. The Philadelphia Stars did win the USFL championship uh, one year, and then I think won the championship and then moved to Baltimore. Um, so it's the same franchise, they just started in Philadelphia and moved to Baltimore. Um, so uh, that would be my pick for for something uh, for us to do next week because I sure as hell won't know the result of a USFL. <laughs> well, as we watch the, the, uh, the president of the United States, Donald Trump, sort of fuck up this whole uh, pandemic crisis, it'll be nice to go watch him fuck up something innocuous like a football league. Yeah, I was going to try to save that content for next week. But yeah, we'll, I'll definitely be watching the 30 for 30 of how <laughs> Donald Trump yes. destroyed the USFL. That was a um, good one. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely down for that. Um, I had vague notions of it. My clearest memory was I had a Philadelphia Stars t-shirt. You know, I had no, I've never seen anything. I'd never seen a, a USFL game. I didn't know anything about it until I was much older for some reason. So I, I know nothing. Showboats, I didn't know anything about any of these teams. Just so this, just this going cool. through it just to see if it was, you know, a viable option. And there are tons and tons and tons of, of full game casts. Like well, I doubt the, the USFL is saying don't put these up on Exactly. Um, <laughs> on YouTube. We have but, the rights. But the amazing thing pay is for these. they had you had, it was it would basically be like the equivalent of having the the Fox broadcast teams or CBS broadcast teams going and, and doing the XFL. Now they had top line um, commentators broadcasting the games. They were on CBS, ABC. Um, you know, the playoff games were, were, were mostly on ABC. Well, it they was, had this, it the was same VHS, presentation. 
it was the same it was presentation. VHS best beta at that point, right? Yeah. Like they, yeah. they didn't know which way this thing was going to break. Right, and and it was the the they had the same broadcast uh, quality presentation. It was like watching the NFL at the time. Um, and and the games that what you can see like the uniforms the 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 the, the caliber of play is really good like it's it's not it's it's equal uh, you know maybe just a like a like a b minus version but if you watched like the tampa bay buccaneers of the mid 80s versus uh whatever was the equivalently bad team um in the other in the other conference you would see about the same level of football um it would have been interesting to see what the world would have been like had it broken the other way uh maybe it would have worked out better for all of us but um yeah, the USFL, as far as the 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 counter argument to the NFL, it was certainly a, a more interesting argument than some of the other things that have come along since. All right, right on. So uh, you'll get us that 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 link. You'll decide which yeah, game. Yeah, I'll decide and we'll, what game, we'll and then I think it wouldn't be bad if we have the time, if we can dig it up, if we can watch that that thirty for thirty. That might make. I, I'm going to check it out. If we if, yeah, you, if we find it, I think that would be also a good thing, and 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 we'll bring that to to all the folks next week. A couple more points about the about the basketball game. Did did I hear that they did the 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 NBA lottery at halftime? Oh, uh, I don't know. I, I maybe in the commentary they may have mentioned something like that. I know that the feed that I watched it. You know, you have the last play of the second quarter, and then it immediately went into the first play of the third quarter. And I fast forwarded through the intermission, but I, I think I think they did say that the the uh, the, the the lottery was going to happen during halftime, and now it's like a full fledged. It's a whole thing. It's prime a whole, time production. Yeah. It's interesting that it would be during that series too, and not either during the conference finals or during the finals themselves. It seems like yeah. that would have been the kind of thing you would have put in the finals, but we didn't know better that back then. We just got what we got. And there was a um, there was a comment made during the game that. Uh, Big men like to play with smaller guys. It spreads the floor and gives them more opportunities. <sighs> Just felt that one like really landed on me. <laughs> can, can you imagine what Twitter would have had to say about that now? <laughs> but, but it was, it was like Carter and Iverson were like taking these shots and when they missed this, like the big guys kind of scooped it up and, and put it back. It was just like, it made everyone's life so much easier <sighs> yeah, it was a very different style of basketball. Uh, yeah. it, it amazed me how few three-point attempts there were during the game. Um, so much driving of the lane that you just don't you don't see anymore. And it seemed like the, the foul calls were – there was a lot less – like you had to really foul a guy. It was way less – you know, almost like if you dove, like the referee would purposely put his whistle in his pocket. Like he, they just they just had no – no interest in having and there were a couple of really hard fouls on breakaways and it was just nice just to be like yeah i fouled you because you had an open shot and yeah it wasn't a natural basketball motion i just am fouling you so you don't get a clean shot oh and yeah, and and we would... didn't have to like review it to see if it was like a flagrant one or a fla- it was just right. you know that's just basketball dude yeah it was not a, there was no such thing as a flagrant two i think in the rule book at that point yeah it's amazing think... how it's amazing how like flowing the uniforms were back yeah. then like they were yeah, wearing way some bigger. blouses yeah the shorts were really uh, i mean not that they wear short shorts now but like it seems like they, them, some of the shorts were actually like ridiculously long uh for for even the time and yeah i think the only way to even get a technical foul in an nba game at that point had to be throwing a punch 
I, I mean, there was stuff now that would have people would have would have been ejected for, and you know, yeah. it just wasn't. I, I keep, it was a totally uh, different I keep game. referencing referencing my son because you know from the mouths mouths of babes. But he he said, "Dad, do they all get the same uniform?" like the same size uniform no matter who they are because it looks like the bigger guys it fits like kind of fine but the smaller guys it looks really baggy he's like maybe they just only had one size (laughs) well i mean that 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 goes to what i and i say this all the time my favorite alan iverson fact is that whenever he would travel uh he would never pack a bag he would just land in whatever city he was going to and he would send out his people and they would go and buy all him all new clothes and then he would just leave them in the hotel room when he left and when he got home he would have his home wardrobe and then whatever city he went to after that he would just buy all new clothes oh, he, he AI just, is the best he just didn't even want he, really to, is. he didn't want to be bothered <laughs> to pack man he would just send out one of his dudes to just and you just have to imagine like maybe the people that had the best life in the world were were the guys that were in Iverson's entourage in like 2000, uh, 2001, 2000. I wonder, like, real candid, like, if you got Iverson to just, you know, real candidly talk about the current state of the Sixers and, and you know, these guys and, you know, Embiid does, Embiid's sick or, you know, whatever. If he would be like, man, these guys are soft. Well, is the Fridays on City Line closed? Like, I mean, I <laughs> we think, could get, we could catch him. Yeah, I think we still can. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts on the uh, Sixers Raptors game that we watched? Just one last quick one for me. Just our history with Toronto. Like, it really feels like the more we go back into things, like we should have a bigger rivalry with the city of Toronto. You know, because of the 93 World Series, because of these Sixers, Raptors, seven game, you know, series. Um, At the same time, uh, the Flyers faced off against Toronto, I think, two years in a row. I could be wrong about that. But, you know, just watching, I'm like, I built up some real Toronto hate. And I'm like, "Ah, that'd be nice. You know, (laughs) foster that a little more. But just thinking it. It seems odd for, you know, when they're not in our division or not in our conference or, you know, in our, our league. Yeah, or in our country. Just the amount of times uh, Philadelphia intersects with Toronto for uh, for big moments. And we've been to Toronto together and, uh, you know, not that great. No, we I was not with, in was Toronto say, with you. Two of us have been there together, but, but, but Chuck missed that. I was there on my own. Yeah. Because had we been um, there the with Chuck, we would have gone to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yes, you would have. You would. Yeah, but overall, not that great. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a B minus Baltimore. Yeah, Next I was, topic. was going to go C plus, but you know, yeah, it's okay. I remember the only thing we were really <laughs> impressed with at the time was that you could get Guinness at the ballpark. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, we could have got we got Guinness at the ballpark because we were nineteen. That was right. Yeah, on top of the fact that it was not like whatever swill they were selling at the vet. All right, so if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Also, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Podadelphia. If you have any more time in your podcast listening day, be sure to check out The Whip Around, our sister show, to get you all your weird news for the week. Uh, And until then, have a great day at work, everybody. Stay safe. Work from home. Do whatever you got to do. We're out of here. 